Good morning to those of you who are joining us a little bit later today as we continue in our sermon series, uh, Living Testimony, where we explore how the Christian faith is a faith meant to be proclaimed not just through our lips, uh, but also through our actions and through our lives as well. Now, last week, we talked about the idea of remaining, uh, the idea of remaining in God's truth and avoiding false teaching. We mentioned how when we remain in God's truth, we are brought up into a fellowship with God. And now as we move forward in our sermon series, uh, we, as we experience this fellowship with God, John begins to transition the topic once again to talk about the importance of living out our love, living out this fellowship that we have with God. And to kind of demonstrate the idea of living out our love, I want to talk briefly um, about the movie The Help, uh, starring Viola Davis, who played a black woman named Abilene Clark. Uh, now, this movie is set in the 1960s, when segregation and racism was a daily reality for many African Americans, but the 1960s was also a time of change as well, as the civil rights era was starting to become uh, starting to build more and more traction. And in this movie, it tells the story of black maids working in white households in Jackson, Mississippi. And the central character, Abilene Clark, was a maid who defied social norms by showing love, by showing kindness to the children she cares for despite the racial tensions of the time. And if you watch the movie, you, you quickly learn, you quickly find out that Abilene Clark is actually a woman of deep faith. Um, and her love for others is primarily rooted in her relationship with God. And throughout the movie, you begin to realize that her actions are really a testimony, testament to the truth that God's love truly knows no bounds, not even one's racial identity or culture. And so through Abilene's actions, the white children that she took care of began to learn and to understand what true love and what true compassion looks like despite living in a racist household and a racist culture. And so Abilene taught the children that love is not just an emotion, but love is a lifestyle born out of a right relationship with God. And so just as Abilene demonstrates love for others despite the racial tensions of the time, we see that our passage today also encourages us, even today, to deliberately love one another, to see the importance of loving one another in the Christian faith, to avoid hatred, to emulate Jesus by loving others just as he has loved us. And so as we kind of consider the loving character of Abilene, let us also reflect and use that as a lens to see what John has to say to us today about love. So let's take a look at our passage from 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to 24. This is the word of the Lord. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother, and why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we have loved one another. 
Anyone who does not love remains in death. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. And this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. And so, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's command lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. Now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, one of the most important lessons we learn from our passage is the importance of loving one another, uh, which is our first sermon point today, to love one another. In our passage, John tells us exactly this in the very first verse that we read, where he says, this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And the fact that John talks about this as a message that they have heard from the beginning means that this is a teaching that goes straight back to Jesus. This is not some sort of new message from John or some sort of radical interpretation, but these are commands given by Jesus himself. This is a message that was passed down from Jesus to the apostles, and it is now a tradition and a heritage that the Christian community is receiving and called to live out. And as John starts the passage, he also ends the passage with the same theme by saying in verse 23 that this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. And so we see that there's this constant stress that John places from the beginning of the chapter, not well, from the beginning of our passage, to the end of our passage. And because John places such an enormous stress on this, John really wants to convey the idea that it is very, very, very important for us to prioritize loving one another as a central aspect of our faith. That loving others is not optional, but it's a Christian virtue that is meant to be incorporated into our daily lives within the church and outside of it as well. However, obviously, the reality of being called to love one another is not always easy, right? Although we're called to love one another, there's often tension. There's often conflict and sometimes even hatred. Things don't go as smoothly as we desire even within God's family. And the thing is, John, he's no stranger to this as he watches his own church begin to disintegrate before his very own eyes, as he watches his former brothers and sisters leave the church and even spread falsehood about God. But yet, 
John does not hold this against them. John does not hold on to the hatred in his heart. Rather, he calls them back to love by first calling them to avoid hatred. And one way that John encourages his former church members to avoid hatred is by retelling the story of Cain and Abel, which is the first recorded story of murder in the Bible. And as John gives the example of Cain and Abel, he does so not to bring condemnation to his readers, but to show that there's a choice to be made in their lives. Will they choose to live in jealousy and hatred, which only brings destruction of a relationship? Or will they choose to love, even when loving is not the easy thing to do? And for John, the choice is clear. The choice is easy. Because he has witnessed a situation like this before. That as John saw the Son of God crucified on the cross, John heard these words come from his lips. He heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. John saw on the cross the death of Christ, but through that death, John understood that it was for the forgiveness of sins, even for those who hated Christ, even for those who put Christ on the cross. And so through that example, it's clear for John that loving one another does not just entail not holding grudges or not trying to be, you know, lash out at others, but to love others is to emulate what Christ has done for us. That just as Christ has laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters, to be self-sacrificial to one another. But why is it so important to love one another? Why does John keep stressing it over and over and over again throughout our passage and also throughout the book? And the reason why he stresses it is because love is actually a barometer of our faith. In the passage we read, we see that John, he kind of makes this point in verses 18 to 19, where he encourages the readers not just to love with words or speech, but in actions and in truth. And through loving others, through our actions and through speaking the truth, that is how we know that we belong in the truth in the first place. And there's a specific reason why I, I label this point as barometer of faith rather than indicator of faith or something more black and white. And the reason why I say, I say that is because acts of love do not indicate whether we are saved or not. Rather, like a barometer or a thermometer, it indicates how deep or how shallow our relationship with God is. It shows us how mature or immature our faith is. Now, the reason why I want to point this out is because some people get these two verses very, very, very wrong. Some people think that if they have little or no interest in demonstrating love through actions, that they believe that they're no longer saved. They believe that they no longer belong to God. And so what you end up seeing with these people is that they begin to neurotically try to do the good things, every good thing in their life. They try to neurotically earn their salvation or earn their right to be with God. But the fact of the matter is that we already belong to God. We are already saved. But the real question we should be asking ourselves is not whether we are saved or not. The question we should be asking ourselves is, how close are we with God? And to answer that question of how close we are with God, the answer to that is through our love. Through love, we can gauge the maturity of our faith. 
Now, last week, I, I mentioned how remaining in fellowship with God requires us to remain in God's truth or in God's word. Uh, we talked about how when we spend time in God's word, we begin to develop a fellowship with God. We begin to develop uh, a mindset that is similar to God, where we begin to adopt God's habits and even his attitudes. And this is important for us to remember because we see the significance of why this fellowship is so important now. As we begin to spend time in God's word, as we spend time in prayer and communion with God, as we walk through God's world, we begin to see the world from God's perspective, right? I mentioned that several times. On the one hand, as you experience the world through God's perspective, you experience joy. You experience wonder and amazement as you see the wonders of God's creation, as you see the advancements that we have made in society. But at the same time, as you walk through this world that God created, with God's eyes at least, you should also experience tremendous grief as well. We see the effects of sin wherever we are. We see the collapse of families. We see people battling addictions. We see people coming into unfortunate circumstances that result in poverty or homelessness. And the typical human response to this is, you know, well, that really sucks, but that's just part of life, right? You know, nothing we can do about it, and then we kind of just go on our way. But as we do remain in God's truth, and as we see the world from God's perspective, our answer to grief and sin actually changes. You begin to see God's hearts yearn to bring restoration to that which is broken, like the scripture reading that we read before. You begin to see God's desire to save and seek those who are lost. And as we really develop that relationship with God and enter into his inner circle, we begin to notice that our hearts are torn in the same way that God's heart is torn. We begin to notice that we desire what God desires, and when that happens, our hearts finally ask God a critical question. Our hearts finally ask God, what can we do? What can I do? to solve, to be able to participate in the hurt in this world. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to challenge us today by asking, are we walking in the right relationship with God? In our passage, John, he quotes and he reformulates the great command given by Jesus. John tells us in verse 23 that in order to walk in the right relationship with God, we are to first believe refers to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And this belief in Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith and the cornerstone of our right relationship with God. It is through this belief that we are made righteous. It's through this belief that we're able to receive the fullness of God's love and grace. It's through this belief that we're able to receive the forgiveness of sin, the promise of life everlasting, and the full adoption into the family of God as his children. It's also through this belief in Jesus that we not only receive God's love, but we're able to experience it through our lives as we continue to see his faithfulness to us while we are still sinners. And as we experience this transformative love, we're called to let that love flow out of our lives and to live it out as John finishes the rest of verse 23 by telling us that we are to love one another as he commanded us. And often people think that this 
is a second command, but these commands are actually interdependent and part of one command. They're actually the same command, that we cannot truly believe in Jesus and follow him unless we love others. But we also cannot truly love others unless we believe in Jesus and follow him. And the reason why I say that these two commands are the same command is that the love we are to demonstrate does not actually come from us. The love we are to show to others is not kindness, it's not altruism, it's not motivated by duty, a desire for social approval, it's not even our own natural inclination towards compassion. The love that John refers to goes beyond all of that. It is a love that is rooted in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is a love whose source comes directly from God himself. See, if God's love, if you imagine it as a river, then we, as his body, we are the streams connected to it that bring love and goodness to everything around us. And just as a stream cannot help but to give and support life to everything around it, when we are connected to God, when we are walking in the right relationship with God, we cannot help but to bring love to everyone and everything around us. And so I encourage us this week to walk in the right relationship with God, to connect with God, not just with our minds, but with our whole beings, with our hearts, and with our hands throughout this week and throughout this month. And so as you experience the overwhelming love from God, as you experience what it is like to be in fellowship with God, whether it's here at church, whether it's at home in your, uh, in your prayer sessions or through your Bible studies, I pray that that type of love will flow out of your lives, that you'll be able to be a blessing to everyone that you see, to everyone that you know. I invite you all to just briefly come with me. Uh, to, sorry, I, <laughs> I invite you all to join me uh, for a period of prayer. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we thank you that you've given us the opportunity to connect with you, that though we do awful things every day, that though we disobey you every day, you still desire to connect with us. And so I pray, Lord, that we will respond appropriately by walking in the right relationship with you, uh, to know you in our minds, in our hearts, and to also through our hands as well as we continue to live our lives in a manner that is consistent with your love. So let's continue to grow in maturity by seeking you and modeling our lives after your son. Help us, Father, to be more Christ-like, to literally become more like your son. Teach us and guide us in demonstrating love to our neighbors and also to our enemies. And soften our hearts, Lord, to be generous with our resources so that we can really be a blessing to others. Most of all, Lord, uh, we pray that you'll give us the strength, the strength to be bold in our proclamation of you, so that all the ends of the earth may know how truly wonderful you are. We love you, and we commit our lives to your hand. In your most precious son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.